The Talking Cure, Conversations with Jet Wheeler, is presented by the Office of Arts and Cultural Programming and Peak Performances at Montclair State University. Hello, everybody. I'm Jedediah Wheeler, Executive Director, Arts and Cultural Programming. And maybe you can tell by the sound of my voice how excited I am to be here today with the unbelievably creative, imaginative Sean Gandini. Sean Gandini is Artistic Director of Gandini Juggling. And Sean has just completed a sold-out run at that tiny little house, that small performance space <laughs> in Manhattan called the Metropolitan Opera. Welcome, Sean. Welcome to Montclair State Thank University you, and Peak Performances. Thank you, Jed. It's a pleasure to be here again. Uh, and it's nice to be in New Jersey after Manhattan. Well, I'm sure it's a contrast. Yes. But now you're among the real people. <laughs> you mean the real people don't go to the Met? <laughs> I'm not, I'm, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. But uh, at $30 a ticket, I promise you that um, we welcome all kinds of people that may not be able to find their way to the Met. It's a different arts equation. It's different. Yeah. So how did you discover that you were and are a master of movement, which includes something called juggling. Uh, actually, I ended up in juggling via uh, a passion for magic and prestidigitation. When I was a kid, I grew up in Havana, and Havana used to have the Moscow State Circus, which used to come and so it was a big outing to go to the circus and that really sparked my imagination towards the circus arts and somehow I learnt a few little magic tricks and I was in a random taxi in Havana and the, <laughs> the taxi driver said oh I'm a magician I will teach you so he sort of took me under his wing gave me some handmade magic tricks and and I got obsessed by the manual side of magic which is uh, manipulating coins and cards and and I realized that's what I really liked about magic was the the skill of it more than the psychology at that point, more than the fooling people. It was the ability of the fingers to do things with objects. And then I m moved to London um, and I thought I would become a magician or maybe a painter. I used to paint for, for pleasure, make these big artistic splashes of color. And I saw a juggler in Covent Garden doing five balls. And there was something about the geometry of the five balls, which I had never really computed. And maybe it was the mathematician in me that thought, I need to learn that. And I had this urgency, almost like my life depended on learning that five balls. And I think for about two years, I was very unsociable. I didn't talk to anybody. I just learned juggling. And then I guess there's a second part to this, which is when Catty appeared and we, we, we decided we could do these things. But that was my, my getting into juggling. Was, that was my route. Well, it's, um, what an amazing story. Um, that from a, a taxi ride in Havana to the Metropolitan Opera. Well, there's a, a, a lovely woman who, in fact, is going to come to the show tomorrow, who I last saw... 45 years ago and I did magic for her when I was seven 
in Havana. And so she saw me do magic when I was seven in Havana. And then she, the next time she saw me perform was at the Metropolitan Opera House <laughs> in New York, 47 years later, which I, kind of, I find that quite amusing. Well, I, I, let's explore this idea of circus and manipulation and movement, because um, I think that you are something other than circus. Um, not that I have a category, and I'm very hesitant to put a category on any contemporary artist, whether, it, whether that category be opera or whether it be musical composition or dance. I, I used to say that I thought one of the most um, uh, intrusive or misunderstood words in the performing arts language was the word dance. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> that if you really wanted to confuse somebody, you'd say, would you come to this dance with me? Because ultimately what they saw might not actually be dance. And I think that at this stage of the evolution of circus, that's where circus is. I have to say I agree with you completely. I agree with circus in general, whether it's at the moment, being hard to define. And I think us in particular I love circus. I went to see Big Apple Circus the other day, oh. and I it made my heart beat so fast, and I was so happy. Uh, it was just the most extraordinary thing. I thought it was it was kind of sex, death, and poetry all together. Oh. In <laughs> I don't know in what order those things. Excuse came. me, I got to go buy my ticket for that right now. <laughs> sex, death, and poetry. Uh, but I thought this isn't what we do. Yeah. I thought I don't. I wouldn't know how to negotiate that. Um, and and I guess it's just labels, and it's particularly tricky when when I guess we're in between our art forms. We hover in between. I mean, we, we clearly we use a lot of juggling, but we hover between dance and theatre and visual art. And um, it's labels. They're useful, I guess, to get people to come well, and see things. I'll tell you a story, a little story, because you've just finished uh, Akhenaten with um, the great American composer Philip Glass. And uh, in one of my previous existences, I worked very closely with uh, Maestro Glass. And the, uh, the goal, actually, was not to label him as a minimalist, of course, which is what every music critic pinned him with, or even to say that Philip Glass was um, a composer of music, but rather he was a creator of a unique oral audio experience, um, that it was Philip Glass. And I feel that you share that with Philip Glass in the sense that you're a lot of things. You're a lot of categories. You're, you're reaching into a lot of different back pockets for a lot of different ideas. You know. <laughs> but ultimately, you're Sean Gandini. I, I mean, I love the idea of that. And, and I guess we get into problems, and I think when they used to sell CD recordings, when you had artists who were in between disciplines, it's like, do I put this in jazz? Do I put this in classical? Do I? The categories are useful to explain to people what things are. But I guess when somebody's in the theatre watching, they're experiencing whatever universe you're presenting. And I to think them. You, you present one of the most unique universes. I've ever experienced, and I'm very grateful that you're back here at Montclair State University with spring. 
Now, tell us a little bit, how did spring spring? So, <laughs> I see what you did there. You see, comedian. <laughs> how did spring spring? Um, the, so, spring is the third part for us of a, a trilogy of dialogues between pure juggling and classical dance forms. And the first one we did was um, juggling going on a date. I sometimes joke that it's a Tinder date with classical ballet. Mm-hmm. And I could talk at length about that. But they got on very well. And that, and that was something, it was a whole world that I could have spent a few years in. And then we made a smaller piece, which was juggling, dialoguing with Bharatanatyam, uh, one of the classical Indian dance forms. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this third piece, which is the one we spent the most time. And if I continue this allegory of thinking of juggling, going, going on Tinder dates with various classical dance forms, I would say they moved in together. And they're testing to see whether they can get married or maybe they even got married. So so um, uh, we approached uh, the choreographer Alexander Whitley, for whom I have an enormous respect. And I have always been very intrigued by his choreographic approach and asked him if he wanted to collaborate. Uh, and one of the things that he was keen on doing was that from the beginning of the piece, you are unable to tell who is a juggler and who is a dancer. So that the instead of saying, this is a juggler, watch him start to move, or this is a dancer, watch them start to catch, mm, interesting. You, you're arriving yeah. at a point where they've already learnt, and you don't need to do the A, B, C, D. You're straight into the complexity. Mm-hmm. You know, Alexander um, made his performance debut on the Casser stage here at Montclair's I should say, I rephrase that slightly. <laughs> His performance, American debut, uh-huh. on the Casser stage with um, Wayne McGregor's company. Yes, yes. When uh, Peak Performances brought Wayne's company, Random Dance, here for the first time. Yes, because I think he danced for a number of years with Wayne. Yes, and, he did. And uh, it'd be interesting to ask him whether he feels that Wayne McGregor's work has left a trace in his choreography, which I guess it's inevitable that things leave traces on your work. Yeah. It, it has to. It, it has it, to. Yeah. It has to. Yeah. The um, but the manipulation, and I, I, I use that word cautiously because I think it's misleading in a big, huge way. But um, in the movement performance that you create, uh, reminds me a lot of the great postmodern choreographers of our day, the, uh, the David Gordons, um, who came out of the Judson Theater movement, um, D- Douglas Dunn, Tricia Brown, um, Lucinda Childs. I, I think ah, it's yes. quite interesting that huh. um, uh, your work illuminated um, Akhenaten, I think in the same way that Lucinda Childs's choreography was um, riveting and riveted to Einstein on the Beach, the, the great Robert Wilson, Philip Glass, yes. Glass opera. Yes. But, uh, and I am not a, despite the fact that I'm part of an academic institution, I am not an academic. I can't say with any certi- certainty that this personal observation is true, but the manipulation of objects came out of a rethinking about movement and what could happen on stage in dance. And I think there's a tremendous parallel in terms of how um, inventive artists who hold on to circus are now reimagining what circus can be. 
actually, the, uh, you are a very perceptive man. What, what you, our roots, the very first pieces we made, were very much rooted in what, in what you're calling the Judson Church aesthetic. We worked a lot with a woman called Jill Clark, Oh, yes. um, and she was very influenced by uh, Trisha Brown, uh, maybe structurally by Merce Cunningham's work. And and we, when we first went in, we literally blew up juggling our first pieces. It's almost unrecognizable. I mean, mm. I think they would those first pieces that we made. This is ninety two, ninety three. Maybe even today they would be difficult pieces for for, for an audience. Wow. And so and and we for about a decade we did these experiments in combining dance and juggling and really deconstructing it. And then we left that on the back burner, perhaps for five or six years, and then returned. We returned partly from the piece which we presented in your lovely uh, theatre two years ago, Smashed. Um, and then via that, there was a rekindling of our love affair mm. or our dialogue with dance. But I think it's true that approach to the object is very connected to, to that North American dance space. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, looking at the normalcy and the extraordinary aspect of the human body at the same time. I mean, this is what... Yes, and I think maybe in our early pieces we were almost anti-virtuosity, so we threw away some of the skill. And I think there was a certain frustration from people that we had this juggling skill that we weren't putting at the forefront of what we were doing. Mm -hmm. And I think actually in the piece we do with Alex, the spring that we're doing here, we, I think we re-embrace that virtuosity a little bit. And in the shows that we're doing uh, Thursday, from Thursday to Sunday, we also have um, a young man called Wes Peden who's got coming to guest. I was hoping you'd bring him up. And Wes is the Miles Davis of juggling. He's just a gift to juggling. He's such a beautiful being and has again reinvented the possibilities of juggling and embraces virtuosity in a very compositional uh, way. Well, it's very true that you know when you go when you go to the Big Apple Circus, which is a fantastic experience. I mean, you're looking for those big moments, yeah, which yeah. lift you up, yeah, and yeah, yeah, transport you, yeah, <laughs> um, and. The postmodern Judson movement was saying something entirely different yes, about yeah. about the virtuosity of the human experience, which was not necessarily written in large, bold type. Yes, and I think this is where circus gets into a conundrum, or rather, contemporary circus. I think classical circus, it works. I mean, it just it totally. works. It's great. There's nothing to you can argue about the animals in it or the gender depiction and all of that but as an art form as a structure as a spectacle it's bliss it's fantastic it's the ecstasy um, so when you're taking that language which is intrinsically virtuosic and sensationalist and you say I want to compose with it in the way a painter composes or a dance choreographer the trouble you might find is what do you do with that virtuosic element because if the narrative is saying look at what I can do most people can't do this Mm -hmm. then that's what's being read as opposed to I am repeating this somersault six in six different parts of the space. Well, the fact that you said that you in 1992 you deconstructed juggling is a, tells me a great deal about how to begin. You decided to throw it away. 
I guess, I guess. Uh, I mean, in, in a way, we've returned to it and, and re rediscovered it and re... I mean, I guess any artist has a love and hate affair with, with their subject matter. And especially if you're questioning the subject matter itself, if you're questioning what it can do, and is it here to tell stories? Is it here as raw clay to be molded? Is it here to be used as, as your contemporaries or your or the people who have come before you have used it are you part of that tradition yeah well one of the most magical experiences in smashed was how balls were simply handed from one juggler to the next um in a very rhythmic um beautiful even and painterly way i mean um, it wasn't about how high you could throw the balls. It wasn't about how many you could handle. It was, it was the relationship of one person to the next, one ball to the mm. next, that created an abstraction of performance. I guess, I guess, and I, I think I know which scene you're talking about. I, I think, it, and it surprised me that some of the simpler things in Smashed have become the things which draw the eye in more. And I guess one learns also as an artist to be simpler and trust simple images. It's certainly one of the things we try to do in our, our Knarten, which is to pare it down and let, let simple things be beautiful. Certainly Felin McDermott, who directed our yes. Knarten, has a whole thing about letting the simple be a ritual which can be interesting. But that's at great odds with the sensationalist nature of juggling, where by definition you're trying to add one more thing and trying to make it... Well, the tension is fantastic. <laughs> tension of expectation versus performance. Yes, yeah, that's good. The tension of expectation. What, you know, I, I knew Phelan many years ago because I brought the improbable theater to the yes. United States for the first time with its little sticky show. <laughs> oh, yes. I'll tell you something, uh, just turning turning this round towards you, is almost anybody I mentioned to you, you, you have a connection with. You <laughs> You either worked with or brought over or produced, or which is which I find. Well, I've had, I'm an, I've had an exciting time <laughs> <laughs> keeping, my, keeping my eyes open. You've had a good, good, a wonderful journey, I feel, yes. So, but you're about to, speaking of journeys, you're embarking on a, a, an amazing idea of working with um, the choreography of the great American innovator, visionary Merce Cunningham. Yes, so, so, so we approached the Cunningham Trust about using some of Merce Cunningham's choreography, which we have the utmost respect for. It's one of the things that has given us joy and life for about 30 years. And seeing how one could transform it into juggling or how it could be a place where one could cultivate something which is neither his world nor our world, something new. So, so it's how can that extraordinary complex work be somehow fed into our world? And we did five, six days with some of, some of the dancers from his company and footage from, from a couple of pieces. And I was really excited by those first things, I think you saw some I of them saw in the them studio. Wonderful. Uh, well, I mean, the arm movement, the arm movement, 
that Merce Cunningham uses is not unlike the arm movement of pure juggling. You know, if you if you overlay one over the other, and you demonstrated that. It, it, I mean, I'd always watched it, and I thought there's something similar to our world in this world. Uh, and certainly the piece that we use, Crowdspacer, has these... Uh, Cunningham worked with this program called Lifeform, and these extraordinary complicated arms that are computer-generated. And if we feed those arms into some of our juggling patterns, you get this extraordinary new world of patterns. Ironically, Wes Peden, who we were talking about earlier, mm -hmm. has done a lot of research independently without, I don't think, ever having watched most Cunningham's work, which is with all these cross-armed, elbowy arms. So I think there's this weird bridge. Absolutely. It's totally. <laughs> and I'm, I'm greatly looking forward to seeing where it all goes and... It's something that we're going to be working uh, uh, with over the next 18 months. And in, in 18 months, I'm hoping that that work will be right here, that you will bring um, life, life to, as it's called, to Montclair State University's I, I, peak performances. I'm greatly looking forward to that. The, so what do you expect your audience to think when they see spring? What is the, Within you, what... what you, I've heard you say this a number of times, that this makes you happy. <laughs> what, makes, what will make you happy on Thursday night when spring makes its debut? Oh, well, I, I hope people uh, get joy from the universe that we've made. I mean, it's a, it's, it's a complicated world. And uh, I guess there's a, there's a negotiation, particularly in contemporary dance, that about not making it too simple but not making it too complicated it's it's uh, it's that thin line between legibility and illegibility mm -hmm. and it's something that alex alexander whitley who choreographed the piece mm -hmm. talks a lot about is we want we both have a um a great liking of complex things so a lot of the music is written in seven eights and the balances are counting 13 over over seven whilst things are being thrown so so it's a complex universe and i am hoping that people go into it as easily as we do and get as much joy out of it as we do well i'm i'm certain that they will <laughs> i i i'm having seen it i know they will one of the things that i think is important about your work um uh, is that um, the, each individual audience member will be able to uh, discover his or her own story in watching your work. That doesn't mean that you don't have a narrative that connects every moment, but there's a freedom of discovery. I, I love that idea. I, that, 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 I absolutely love that idea because uh, it's something, certainly as an audience member, I've never enjoyed it when... The art I am watching is totally prescriptive, telling me how I should read it. Mm -hmm. And it's, I guess this is a more complex discussion to be had about political art. And, but so in, in my ideal world, the thing we present opens multiple interpretations and viewings. And, and we're all such different, varied beings. Exactly. And I'm, I know that our audience is going to have a fun time. We're going to have serious <laughs> fun with you. Serious fun. That's good. <laughs> anyway, thank you so much. A pleasure talking to you, as always, Jeff. It's great to see you. I'm welcome. Thank you very thank much. You. Happy to be in New Jersey. <laughs>